First Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Mm. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, as was necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, in the things that you now been, that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What a way to start the morning. What a way to start the morning. All right. Joined by the muse of Christ's covenant mm. today, Jordan Coughlin. And we have finished Daniel and we are now in first Peter as our church continues our life in Babylon series. So basically the whole idea of comparing our life in Atlanta today as Christians to old Testament exile. And we take cues from that from first Peter, yeah. which, you know, he off the bat, uh, calls, calls these believers he's yeah. writing to elect exiles. Yeah. So he, he's also referencing back to, uh, the exile that we read about in Jeremiah and Daniel. So Jordan, you, uh, Barrett's going to be mad when he listens to this because he recorded two with me yesterday and jumped into the two hardest passages. <laughs> <laughs> the I'm end of Daniel to be sitting 11 in this chair and all of Daniel 12. <laughs> on this day. <laughs> I know. So, uh, so we have a, just a really beautiful passage um, about the, the hope and joy of the gospel. And of course, Peter being a firsthand witness. And, and it's powerful to me to think about when he's writing about the resurrection of Christ and, writing about Jesus, he's referring to, you know, his best friend mm -hmm. um, who he walked with and learned from, was rebuked by and restored to, mm -hmm. who he betrayed. Yeah. And then he was, you know, once again reconciled and, and told, 
feed my sheep, tend to my sheep, feed my sheep. So mm. Jordan, what are your thoughts on this passage as we begin the book of First Peter? So powerful. Mm-hmm. And I, I, uh, I love how applicable this is to to our lives, right? Like we're all, we're always trying Absolutely. to interpret scripture rightly based upon what you know the original readers understood. But then you know part of our job as twentieth twenty first century Christians is to then consider, okay, how does this apply into our lives, right? Our, our ministries. And mm-hmm. what what I find over and over the more I study the Bible is how encouraging it is that this is like exactly what I need to hear. Mm-hmm. This is exactly the truths that immediately apply to to my life. Um, so just, I mean, a couple couple thoughts, you know, just even as I was reading it, first you, you already mentioned, he begins with calling them exiles, right? reminding them that you are in a place that is not your ultimate Mm -hmm. home. Mm -hmm. Um, And as we've been learning in the life in Babylon series, like that is, that is us, Mm -hmm. right? Like we, we don't want to get so comfortable that we begin to think, Oh, this is, this is our home, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and therefore I need to find joy. I need to find comfort. I need to find ultimate fulfillment in where I am. Mm -hmm. Uh, We always should have an eye, you know, towards, towards heaven, right? Mm-hmm. Towards our ultimate home. Second, he immediately points their attention, beginning in verse three, uh, to what God has done. And and I think like Christians, we run the risk of making these massive assumptions that, yeah, of course we know what God has done, mm-hmm. right? And yet we live our lives as if God hasn't done anything amazing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so therefore we're fearful and we're anxious and we're discouraged and we've fallen into sin and we pursue sin and, you know. So I just love that, okay, this is a good example for us. He begins with, this is what God has done. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, to an inheritance, and then a few words later, to a salvation. So there you have it, living hope, inheritance, salvation. Mm. That's what Jesus has given to us. And I mean, I don't know if you're going to get a big inheritance, you know, (laughs) when your parents die or grandparents die, like, I don't think I'm getting one that I'm, that I'm aware of. (laughs) Uh, But like, what a powerful image. uh, And that's kind of a consistent image throughout this passage is this idea that we have this massive inheritance mm. that we are one day going to receive, mm-hmm. um, not based upon anything we've done. I mean, think about an inheritance, right? Like yeah. it's based upon lineage, it's yeah. based upon the will. And here you have this picture of, here's what God has done. He's brought you from being an enemy and a foreigner, far from God, far from hope, totally. and brought you into this family where because of Jesus, because of your older brother, you have this inheritance waiting for you. Yeah. And and therefore we should have hope. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that inheritance image because an inheritance is totally uh, you know, contingent on what somebody else has done. Right. So, you know, if your like father or grandfather or whoever starts a Fortune five hundred company, you know, you're not even alive when the bulk of that is going on and then you become the recipient of that 
um, if you are fortunate enough to be in that sort of family line. Right. And so I, I do think that that is such a powerful and loaded image to meditate on that totally based on the work and accomplishment of Christ, we inherit something not earned by us, not created by us, but fully ours nonetheless. Yeah. Um, because we've been brought into this new covenant. You know, I love yeah. this phrase in verse six, in this you rejoice, mm. though now for a little while, if necessary, or as was necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Mm. That That is such a counterintuitive phrase. And I'll take out that middle section. In this you rejoice, though now you've been grieved. Yeah. So yeah. though you have been grieved, you rejoice. Yeah. That is not the the equation that's given to us by the world. Mm. You know, grief and joy seem so separate. And yet the the component that makes that possible is this hope mm. and this inheritance that undergirds our, our circumstances um, that we, you know, it's the great joy of, of believing in God and, and trusting in God is that, you know, our, our circumstances are not ultimate as they would be in a secular worldview. Right. But that they're very momentary. And, you know, one of my favorite images is uh, Dee's. Uh, I've heard him say this once or twice, but he talks about when, when you go into a hotel room, if you're on a trip, you might walk into this like beautiful hotel room or like a Motel 6, you know, and it smells like cigarettes. Right. When you walk in, you don't walk in and think, hmm, I really wish those curtains were mauve. Mm. I think I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a run over to Ikea, get some new curtains. I'm going to go to Home Depot, get some new knobs for yeah. the dresser. Change it and, up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, rearrange. But, you know, you realize that it's a, a momentary place where you are that is just there for you to live mm-hmm. while you, you know, whatever the purpose of, like if you're on a business trip or you're going to a conference or whatever, it's just there to enable you to do a work that you're there to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a great image of, you know, our hope not being in this ultimate or our hope not ultimately lying in this life, but believing that there is an inheritance that is far greater than the riches of this earth that we have fully and securely through the blood of Jesus. And, you know, I love, he uses this this sacrificial image in verse two, the sprinkling of Christ's blood. And, and so we can press through this life with, the grief, the, the happiness, you know, the hardship, all with deep and intense joy. Yeah. Well, the, and, yeah. And, and, oh gosh, there's, there's so much goodness here, right? Yeah. Uh, so he talks about, okay, th- there's in that grieving, right? There's goodness to it. There's purpose to it. And that it, it tests your faith and you, you actually grow in your faith and you deepen your faith. Mm-hmm. Just like, just like exercise. Like you do things that are hard mm-hmm. in order to get stronger. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, but that's not the only purpose because I think so often when we're grieving or when we experience trial in our lives, that is kind of the thing we go to is, all right, well, God has a purpose for this. Mm. Um, but he speaks to so much more mm. here. It's not just, Hey, you get to go through this hard thing so that I can like teach you a lesson and grow you. Yeah. It's no, every, every grief, every tear, every loss that you're experiencing right now will one day be restored and redeemed. Amen. 
that's that's the hope we have. Amen. And so I, I, I just think like hopefully that speaks encouragement to the person even listening to this who is discouraged and grieving. And my encouragement is follow Peter's example of looking past just hey, well, there's a purpose to this, which mm-hmm. is good, right? That's important. It's it's important for our faith to be tested and to grow and to deepen. But also, remember your inheritance. Mm-hmm. Remember that all is not lost because you have this undefiled hope remaining or waiting for you in in heaven. And and it's not just that those things will be forgotten, mm-hmm. but it's that w- they will be restored. Yeah. They will be redeemed and yeah. what a beautiful picture it's that amazing samwise gamji line that everything sad yeah. will become untrue yeah uh. which is uh, an amazing truth and you know just to close i i do think that it's amazing to come back to verse two which is what this is all built on mm-hmm. um obedience to jesus christ and for the sprinkling with his blood you know i was talking with a friend about this yesterday uh, we're reading john and john the baptist sees Jesus uh, for the first time in the book. And he says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we're talking about how profound of a title that is because the one other title that's been used for Jesus so far in the book of John at that point is the word of God. It's like the embodiment of the mind and soul of God. And so if you didn't have any of the new Testament and you just read a lot of these old Testament passages about, you know, God is going to come and make recompense for sin and wickedness, and he's going to avenge his enemies, then when you hear that the word of God is coming into the world, you think, okay, and he's coming to deal with sin. Yeah. Okay, how many people is he going to kill? Yeah. You know, he, how, yeah. how many Roman soldiers is he going to kill? Like, yeah. What is the price for sin mm. that he's going to deal with? And the fact that he comes not as a conquering warrior in the way that they were expecting and many were hoping, but that he came as the lamb of God to make payment with his own blood. Mm. And that offers such a much deeper hope and joy and promise than anything else. Um, That should just lead us to worship, you know, and lead us to this inexpressible joy that carries us through grief, knowing that it'll all become untrue. Mm. Amen. Amen. Well, it's uh, it's gonna be amazing walking through first Peter and we're gonna continue tomorrow. So for Jordan Coughlin, this is Will Carlisle. You better believe we'll see you tomorrow on Our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404 465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.